0: Welcome to a bonus episode of United Ireland. Una here. And this episode is about the making of Other Voices 2020 in Dingle. The festival which began 19 years ago has always been about music that matters and crucially how that music resonates in a live setting. But with the live music sector uh, essentially in an induced coma since the outbreak of the pandemic here and of course elsewhere since earlier this year, Other voices got to work. In the first lockdown in Ireland, they produced the Remarkable Courage series of live streamed performances with the kinds of production values that set them apart from a lot of attempts at moving online that were going on at the time. This was built upon by a remarkable set of shows filmed in spectacular settings, including Fontaine's DC in Kilmainham Jail, Lancome in Kilkenny Castle and Denise Chila in the National Gallery. But Other Voices in Dingle in December is a different kind of thing. I've been attending every year for 13 or 14 years now, and what began as a low-key television production grew into a place music journalists and music industry heads would head off to to let loose and mark the final stretch of the year, evolved into a full-blown festival with thousands now hitting Dingle that first weekend in December, enjoying the town's amazing pubs, The Music Trail, which is a full-on music festival of its own, and the After Dark Club Nights in Hillgrove, Jim Carroll's banter interview sessions in Foxy John's, and Ireland's Edge Conference at the Skellig Hotel, which draws politicians and academics and scientists and artists and others. This year, it's been completely surreal to be down here when the vast majority of pubs and restaurants are closed and the streets are empty, and there's no audience attending the festival. The only people at Other Voices this year are the crew filming it and organising it and the artists. In some ways there's a strange echo of the kinds of Other Voices I first attended over a decade ago when it was almost a secret little winter haven on the edge of the Atlantic with hot ports and tunes. Well, minus the hot ports this year, in fairness. So this episode is about how the crew actually did what they did. With artists such as Hosier and Damien Dempsey, Pillow Queens performing an extraordinary debut live performance from For Those I Love, and new artists um, like CMAD and Nilo, and loads more, this year's digital edition of Other Voices in Dingle has become something else. Which, although it's a highly unusual setting and setup, that's an evolution in tune with the festival and an entity and a team that is constantly evolving and responding and snow, storm or pandemic always somehow happening. On this episode, we wanted to give all those Other Voices fans who really treasure heading down to Dingle every year a feeling of the festival from a distance. We begin with something quite rare in Ireland these days, an audience made up of the Other Voices working crew who are filming the performance reacting to a live set that had just finished up in St James's church. Heading into the church, the wristbands that are usually demarcate which part of a golden ticket you've secured for the evening were replaced with colour-coded ones representing daily temperature checks. And then inside the church, myself and Molly King sat at either end of one of the church pews to talk. Molly is the head of development for Other Voices and she spoke about the surreal aspect of this year's Dingle edition of the festival and how they're pulling it off.
1: Check. Oh, sure and time. then Molly will be with you in two seconds you see there you go just keep that in your pocket uh, come on and stand in out of the wind oh. Ooh,
0: just here, Brilliant. You? Thanks, well. how are you? I'm good yeah yeah come on in,
2: come on in In out of the wind <laughs> yeah at
0: least um,
3: Molly King, how's it going? Hello. <laughs> Welcome to a very quiet St. James's Church. Maybe the quietest it's ever been in 19 years. <laughs> it's
0: Friday night here. And there's been an extraordinary reaction online to the last two nights. How has it been being uh, here without the usual masses that there are and without all of the logistics that you have to contend with? I know that it's a massive, wide-ranging question. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well... <laughs> Um, okay there wasn't there isn't really a clear answer to that question but um, I guess it, in a weird way it's it's kind of bittersweet like we're thrilled we feel so lucky to be able to do this like every day that we've come to work and every day we've realised we've managed to pull this off um, we're absolutely delighted but It's very strange to see Jingle so empty. Like You've been walking around. I mean, you've been coming every year, but it's like there's no one here. So I think, in a way, uh, being able to kind of beam it out to people and see the response be so positive and kind of have people sending messages like, you know, they really felt the music and they felt the liveness of it is a huge achievement, and I'm very proud of what we're doing. But we're looking forward to our 20th anniversary next year when we can get the crowds back, you know? So I think for the year that's in it yeah I'm super proud of what we've achieved yeah it's been great
0: it's kind of mad because in a year of like no or the nine months of no live music a festival like you guys which is so based in many ways and being in the room has managed to achieve a, uh, you know productions throughout the year that others that others haven't how do you think that that happened it seem, it would seem like other well, voice would be the, the one of the harder with things to pull off?
3: Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. Um, I think I don't know, I think we adapted really quickly and I think a, a few things came together at the same time and I think we learned as we went that the model we were formulating landed with people and um, when we started the Courage series it was kind of a shot in the dark, to be quite honest, and the, the interaction on, with people on like social media and stuff, really made it. Hiya, Philip. <laughs> but yeah, um, so the first night we went live with Courage, we genuinely had no idea how that was going to go. And it was um, E Vagabonds in uh, Whelan's. And they they had been separated from each other for the whole of lockdown. And it was the longest they had been apart and not played music together. So it was quite emotional. And I think uh, they at the beginning they were like this is going to be totally weird we're in an empty Weelands and then as we were feeding comments from people from like all over the world from like Chile and Mexico and like the States or wherever you start to feel the musician uh, feel people um, far away from them because they're interacting with them and I think that's it gives that intimacy that I guess other voices I think has always been very good at but in in a different way and I I don't know it's, it's gone really well it's gone really well Okay, let's pipe down. Something's about to happen.
0: Yeah. Pamela Connolly is the singer, guitarist, occasional bassist with the Pillow Queens, a band to release their debut album In Waiting this year, one of our cultural highlights of 2020 in United Ireland. Despite their accompanying tour being postponed, the album did exceptionally well, and playing other voices is a dream for the band something they wrote on a bucket list starting out, just get to that church. I sat down in Benner's Hotel with Pam for a chat. How does this uh, moment at Other Voices uh, compare to previous years?
4: Um, it's a bit of a ghost town, I'll have to say. Uh, it's a bit... um. Dry in the liquid sense, but not in the like. There, you know, there, there will be crack to be had. There's obviously uh, a great bunch of people here, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a lot quieter, and um, people are a lot more. Uh, they have their wits about them a little bit more than they usually would, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> um, but it is it's strange, but I I still love that we're here. It's, it's something to do. Like,
0: <laughs> in a weird way, it feels like like watching the comments come in from people watching online and stuff. It feels like it's connecting in a way um, that maybe even the people running the festival didn't anticipate. Like, it seems to be some kind of heart that people are gathering around this year.
4: I'd say as well as that, there's probably people who are connecting with the festival who had never even considered to come down. Um, and probably will now in future, so it's 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 probably reaching a wider audience than it would normally, um because people are just kind of gagging for that um I don't know the cre- creativity and just kind of w- watching live music and and something that feels you know this is an annual event something that is 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 trying its best to bring some sort of normalcy in the world although it is probably the strangest. Uh, version of this, but like it's it's still the only thing of its kind in the in in the country. I don't know about the world, but like that is trying to actually do something like what they normally would. Like we've we've calmed down to Dingle at the very least.
0: Where's your head at? Like in terms of how can you gear yourself up for performing not in front of an audience? How do you conjure the energy or the or the feedback even um it must be such a a different thing to do performance wise
4: it is because you do get a lot of um you do get a lot of your energy from the audience but a lot of the time as well (laughs) sometimes when we're performing because of because of our nerves we try to forget that they're there in the first place you know that you don't look up or like you look at the back of the room so you kind, you've kind of already um prepared for this moment. It's just that there's actually no one there this time. And um, we still like we've done a few empty empty room kind of streamy performances and it hasn't been lackluster. I haven't noticed our energy change like maybe uh, like once they say right uh camera's on we we just we try our best to do it as if there was a room full of people because we know that it is actually going out to people who want to see something that is that is familiar to a lot like like they would see live so you know you're not going to s- like stand there and play as if you're just doing a sound check or something you have to you're still performing mm. i think that's the most important thing but it it you probably have to dig a little bit deeper because there's you're not you're not getting any, um, you know, energy from an audience.
0: Mm. Your record connected in a way, in a massive way this year um, with people, despite the fact that there were no gigs. I remember we were talking earlier in the year about maybe this will be a moment where the recorded art lands more because it's all people have. As you kind of draw to the end of, of the year, how are you feeling ab- about that? Like, what, I heard the boys from Fontaine say that it'd be almost like they'd they, they don't even feel like they released a, a record because they haven't been able to get that live um or the audience like recognition or feedback or whatever now mind you they have a Grammy nomination so they definitely yeah, I released know, a I record not
4: complaining too much. <laughs> um see the thing is I guess we don't have much to compare it to it's our debut so we are taking it as it is we know that obviously if there was a different if the circumstances were different we know that nothing w- w- or the way the year would have went would have been completely different. We would have been on tour. We would have, we would have traveled to places that we'd never been before. Um, so in that regard, there's like a disappointment there. But it, it is it is what it is. Uh, we are we we're more than happy to release it. Um, and we 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 stayed busy, but virtually so. Um. I I think if it if we had been on our second or third album and we had the taste of the first album tour, we would be maybe a little bit more disappointed. But we are happy with uh, how the release went. Um, And I think if if we had that kind of taste of kind of like, oh, we should have waited. Um, I, I'm glad that there's there's no regret there. You know, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take it as it comes, you know.
0: Pillow Queens were still loading out of the church after their set when I grabbed the man who personifies and leads other voices, Philip King. And what was a pretty windy, as you'll hear, and cold night for his perspective on how things were going. Well done. Eight thirty. Okay, cool. Thanks. Pillow Queen's just coming out of the church there. Um, Philip, unaccustomed as you are to discussing music in this festival, Philip King, how are you feeling right now? I mean, it's it is surreal around the town, and there's a different kind of tension in the church in a weird way. Without the audience, something else has kind of dropped in. Yeah, something else is
2: talking. But I'm feeling great, and I'm feeling uplifted and inspired and delighted by the pillow queens and uh, somebody was just pointing out to me that there's a photograph of me with the pillow queens when we did a gig some time back and it said he's an this king is an honorary queen for a day it said so i mean i don't care about anything else really i've made it now i've waited for this moment for years and here i am at last
0: i was talking to molly yesterday about how it's um interesting that other voices which is so rooted in you know being in, in, in the room that's its origins has managed to traverse this year in an extraordinary way that maybe other festivals weren't well you know logistically and, and in terms of how ephemeral things are rooted to yeah. a particular weekend things are other festivals weren't able to do that for the reasons that we all understand yet you guys have been able to keep on trucking sure
2: well it's just a different form of transmission really and we've always been in the transmission business one way or another many years ago um, John Mulholland who's now editing the Guardian in New York and myself had a conversation in London and we streamed some things from this church you know there was an audience in the room it was as things normally would be uh, pre-Covid but the notion of streaming something um, sort of was was something that we knew was possible and then when these new I suppose protocols and constrictions and very necessary ways of working were put in place we wondered what might be possible um, to bridge the distance between us who are performers and artists and singers and songwriters and people who were isolated and how would that be possible but how would it be possible to do it without emphasising the isolation without emphasising that people in fact were, were away and wouldn't like that and say I wish I was there and I think a number of things came into play um, production values was the first thing to do it with sound and pictures and visuals that brought people into the room but I think that the key element, and you saw it with the Pillow Queens tonight, is there is a screen. And wherever this thing is transported or transmitted around the world, from West Kerry, in real time, the Pillow Queens can speak to the world, but the world can speak to the Pillow Queens. So somebody can say, hi, how are you? As simple as that. Or can say, we bought your record, we think it's great. Will you play us Dun or whatever? And we noted doing the Other Voices Courage series from a number of various different locations around Ireland that that notion of collapsing distance actually worked you know because people became very emotionally engaged from all around the world and I think you heard one of the girls there say you know they're watching in Twickenham or they're watching in London or they're watching in America and they are
0: At the helm of the live stream this year was May Kay, who did a really great job of bridging that gap between the audience watching and chatting online and the performances. Between the links that she was doing and keeping up with the comments and tweets people were sending in, I spoke to her about her role this year and also how she, as an artist, worked on her own music while the live industry
5: was shut down. I um, thankfully didn't really understand... uh, kind of the difference the job would be this time. I think if I had, I would have been extremely anxious and I don't think I would have done as good a job. It's day five and I'm kind of d- understanding now that this is a global live stream, <laughs> which sounds so stupid, but it's really hard to comprehend because no one in front of me. I think when we started incorporating the tweets and stuff more, I started seeing what people were watching. I also thought, I was worried, to be honest, that we might make people feel worse who weren't able to go out. That was a real concern I had, so... Hearing that people are actually getting something out of it, um, it's amazing. And I'm actually, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit dreading tomorrow and not being here and surrounded by all these people and all this music, but I will ground myself in gratitude. Oh, that's a good one. Tried that. <laughs> it must be mad seeing all that, like, the
0: outpouring of emotion coming from people, like, into the YouTube chat or whatever because um, I saw someone saying today that, like, they haven't heard one, like, mean thing or bad word and the whole
5: thing. Everybody is so kind of loving and really seems like they really needed it. Totally. I was, that's what people were saying, like how do you vet the tweets when you're just live reading them out? I don't have to. I really I haven't had to do that once. I think the, when I say the worst, I don't mean that it was bad, but one girl said that this was making her sad, she was missing live music. That was, And I was glad I saw, said that because that's the truth. There's loads of people going to be watching that it's actually not giving them comfort. It might be making them a bit sad. So that was a nice opportunity for us to be able to say, it's, it's okay if this isn't making you happy like it's, it's weird um, and I think the great thing about this week and the the team are just so deadly is they haven't tried to recreate entirely a live gig because that's cold and that, that's just like this, you're missing the audience this is a different type of experience um, so I'm really grateful for that kind of cleverness yeah
0: um, off topic from other voices a little bit but as an artist yourself what is the main thing that you're taking away from what has probably been a good bit of downtime a good bit of um, you know sitting thinking all year how has that impacted you creatively
5: um, I've actually had a this is a really crappy thing to say for anybody who hasn't had a good year but I've had a really great year prolific year creatively um, because I'm a serial procrastinator always like I don't have time for this and don't have time for that and if only I had time I'd write my own album and then it was like bam how's a year for you um, And I'm good enough at lying to myself, but I couldn't bullshit myself too much. So it was just like I have to get stuck in and and do something. And I've done some stuff I'm really proud of. But the really nice thing is I don't feel this pressure. You don't suddenly go into the mill of release dates and touring dates and planning and all that. It's been nice to just focus on actual work, the work itself and the art itself, and not be having to, yeah, not having to worry about what to do with it yet.
0: Amazing. That's great. I'm really happy to hear that and I cannot wait to hear new bits.
5: I am going to probably
0: make you listen to us today. <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday night, the nation and the world was introduced to a Dublin artist called David Balf, who performs as For Those I Love. We've been banging on about his work for a while now on United Ireland, and although he was one of the most anticipated artists on the lineup, making his debut live performance. I don't think anyone expected what was going to unfold in the church when he played. Two things happened for me during that performance that haven't really happened before. The first was that it was the first time in my life that I've cried at a gig from start to finish, (laughs) throughout. The potency of his performance, his work, what it means, the art that he's making, What it's about and how he's channeling that was, at times, simply overwhelming, really. The second thing is that I haven't been able to capture that performance in words, written or spoken. That's not something I tend to struggle with. (laughs) Writing about music is, after all, my job has been for over 20 years. But what happened was just something else. It's something I'm still processing. After the gig, crew members emerge from the church in tears, including Other Voices music producer Eva Woodlock, who I spoke to the day after that performance, and who ends this episode, bringing it all back home, and what it's all about ultimately, as corny as it sounds, but it's real, it's about the music.
1: In the 19 years of Other Voices, 17 of which I've been here, I don't think I've ever seen the crew leave a performance in the way they did last night to see you know the the youth the, the north side Dublin Buttes, Pillow Queens and to finish off with their friend which I didn't know when I was booking them that they actually were friends with each other to see David Balf basically have his love songs to his friend Paul Curran. Um, I st- went back, started looking at all of Paul Curran's poetry um, which makes the, the loss even greater when you see what a gem that he lost. The performance was people described it as open heart surgery it really, really was I've never seen anything that raw I've never seen our crew leave and walk different sides around the side of the church. And uh, everybody was crying. And I honestly have never seen that before. And um, he took us on a very emotional, beautiful journey.
0: I think when... um, you see something like that and experience something like that it must put all of the worries or apprehensions about doing other voices without an audience to bed really because stuff just cuts through either way um how uh apprehensive were you about um these five days from a logistics point of view, from a booking point of view. I mean, it's such a, a huge challenge to try and make something translate on screen.
1: I wasn't apprehensive because I had done courage from the early lockdown. And with courage, we started out with, uh, I think, maybe five people in Wheelands, one in each room working. Uh, there was no testing at the time. So we were all PPE, social distancing, um, it was uh, you vagabonds were the first one to do it and I just thought they were so brave and because most people lived within the 2k radius of Wheelands, I didn't realise so many musicians I just thought it must be in their uh, rent agreements that they live within walking distance of Wheelands. as do you as do I yes abs- yes siree uh, look it's, it's like how everybody has adapted to How do we continue to do what we do and keep people in jobs and give... The musicians have been amazing. So generous. Every single person agreed to be tested. You know, you don't take that for granted that somebody's going to, you know, have that procedure. And, you know, thank God we've had a a COVID-free production and um, we've respected the community here in Dingle that are so good to us. Um, I'd never. When you're around these people, you know, musicians always deliver. They just do. They any chance to play. You know, Mark Lanigan was like, "Yeah, sure, I want to play. I want to play with a band." And uh, the team are so tight of getting it right. You know,
0: I feel like um, as tight a team and as well established uh, this whole crew and thing is. It seems to have crossed some other threshold um with with this production, is that me imposing one of my
1: tired narratives <laughs> to find some text or no, no, I think look the streaming thing has always been you know traditional telly is what we've always done, you know, and the streaming we've we've been doing streaming for forever, but it's been around the town we've never. Done it, you know, in in the capacity that that we did courage on, and we realised that the instant, the instant impact of a song or performance, like blew me away. I'm not not au okay fait with <laughs> a lot of tech stuff. Uh, my dear Molly would uh, be able to back that up. So I couldn't believe it when courage started the the traction that that we had. And I suppose when something works, it's difficult to go back from that. But it'd be lovely to see some people here as well, buying their Christmas presents. You know, you really feel for the shops around and, and you come through the country uh, last week and very difficult to see the small towns. Not like, we're in Dublin and it's, it's not really, we keep things small and you stay in, you social distance, we're not going out, but you go across the country l- last week. Everything's boarded up. These people are, it's decimated. And it's only when you see it with your own eyes that you realise that we're not all having the same experience, you know? So it's brilliant that the music has happened and it's brilliant that you can see other humans here, you know? And the bands are just gorgeous. So trusting and gorgeous. I love them.